Welcome, everyone, to Force of Nature Podcast. I'm your host, Matthew D. Hamilton, and I'm here with my co-host... David Botcher. Terrific. This week, we have another awesome adventure from our man, Jim Corbett. I'm Jim Corbett, mother... Two Jim Corbett stories in a row. Dave, how do you feel about that? Feeling pretty good. Uh, I'm going to give myself some credit this week because uh, I worked very hard on these last few episodes preparing them for you. Uh, I wrote another 30 pages for this story. Wow. Alone. Uh, the story this week is not what I kind of gave you misinformation last week when I said we were going to do. I gave the options of two different tigers yeah. story, two different mm-hmm. man eating stories. Well, we're not going to do either of those because for the one, uh, you know how we uh, Jim Corbett had the he had uh, it was. The government asked him to kill three tigers, right? Uh-huh. And we've covered the 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 two two tigers that he did from there. Uh-huh. Uh, the third one, there just wasn't in his book. There was it was only a few pages long, and there just wasn't enough to it. Oh. And then the other one that I mentioned, uh, the talk man eater. Uh-huh. This is this was his last hunt. So I wanted. I felt like we should keep doing them more, and we'll do this last one at another time. Okay. So the one. I have for you today. This is uh, this is called the Tuck uh, Muck Tazar Man Eating Tiger. The, the, the Tuck Muck Azar. Hold on. All right. All right. It's the Muck Tazar. The Muck Tazar. Are, are you sure you're reading that right? Did you, get your, did you write that down? Positive. I am. On <laughs> it's this not one. your pen. I made sure. <laughs> I just. I made you. sure that this one is correct. Uh, this the is the Muck yeah, Tuck. Muck Tazar. The Muck Tazar. Yes. Uh, this is a tiger that killed at least twenty four people. Hmm. And uh, I've I've never meant like I said I never mentioned you that, uh, this one before. But once I read it, once I read this story, I was like, "Yep, we are we got to do this story because okay. it's really good." The ending is specifically insane. Like, oh yeah, how he eventually kills the tiger. Wow. It's really cool. Uh, I'm going to. It's going to be another fun-filled Jim Corbett episode. Nice. We hope everyone enjoyed last week's Corbett story on the Mohan Man Eater. It was definitely a good story. That was a yeah. good one. Huh? Yeah. Uh, Jim snuck up on a sleeping tiger. He had he snuck up on it and then shot it. But yeah, check it out if you haven't yet. Check you know, out when you were talking about that last time. You're like, this is a total movie. I kept thinking because I re-listened to it on the <laughs> the way to work. Uh-huh. I'm thinking, dude, I could totally picture this. And guess who I would picture as the lead? Okay, who's Jim? Um, it was it. Oh my goodness, why am I drawing a blank on? I do this every time. I know exactly who I'm thinking of. I can't think think of the name now. Um, it was Magneto in uh, uh, the new the oh, X Men. Oh yeah, what's the, his the, name? What's the... his name? James? No, uh, that was. Uh, I know who you're talking about. Mike. Uh, oh, not Mike. What is his name? Gosh darn it! <laughs> oh, you keep thinking I, about it. I'm gonna keep going with the intro. This is really here. bugging me. Okay, you go ahead. <laughs> yes, Sorry. go back and check. Oh my goodness! All of our Jim Corbett stories out if you haven't yet. And as always, we want to thank all of our listeners for tuning in to us. Uh, we got a lot of good positive feedback from within the last week. So we really appreciate it. And we've got some thanking to do at the end of the show. Okay. You got it? It's Michael Fassbender. Yeah, okay. I Mike. was on the right track. Michael. Mike. Yeah. Michael, Michael Fassbender. Fassbender. He would be all right. He would be a great. I could totally see him being a Jim Corbett. <laughs> well, yeah. So, yeah. We say that all these Jim Corbett stories definitely could be made into a movie. This yeah. one, no exception. Yeah. All right. But yes, if you enjoy the show, something you can do is go to iTunes, Apple Podcasts, or whatever platform you use. Give us a review. Give us five stars. Say whatever whatever you want. Say something you like about the show. But the ratings and reviews really do help our podcast gain more attention and gain more listeners. Yeah, I guess who else gained attention from Or who you gained attention from? Oh, yeah. Okay, I'll tell them. So um, the other day, just a few days ago, I looked on our Instagram, and we got some, some likes on there. And I checked one out, and it seemed odd. It was um, the band Hall & Oates. Yeah. The, the, like, uh, I, I clicked on it, and then it was, it's their legit profile. Like, it has the blue check mark on it and everything. So Hall & Oates liked our post. <laughs> and then Dave was like, oh, they have a, a song called Maneater, right? Yeah. And, like, I remember putting the hashtag Maneater for that. <laughs> so I guess that's how they found us. But, yes, Bingo. Uh, yeah, Hall & Oates, they might be fans of our show now, I guess. <laughs> I thought that was kind of funny. Yeah, that's crazy. All right, and, well, not as always, Colonel Cheetor is once again absent. And in his place is Professor Cheetor. Yes, I am the older brother of Colonel Cheetor, Professor Cheetor, the one who went to college. <laughs> I have so many doctorates, they stack up to be bigger than a whale's penis. 
<laughs> as oh, big really? as a whale's penis, huh? Oh, boy. Uh, that's that's a lot. It's quite the tail. Yes. <laughs> so stupid. All right, we're gonna just gonna let's get to the story, <laughs> okay, Dave. Let's do it. Wow, we've it's been a an opening for us. This time. <laughs> it has been. <laughs> All right, so no need to do a Jim Corbett recap since we did one last week. This is then. This is now our fifth Jim Corbett episode. Uh, last story, Jim was able to sneak up on a sleeping tiger. So it shows you what a master hunter he really is. Yeah. And this story is just as good. This is the hunt for the Muktazar Maneater. This story came from a different book than the others, uh, kind of like a sequel book to the original. Okay. This book is called The Temple Tiger and More Maneaters of Kumeon. Ooh, interesting. And once again, the book is the only source I used for this story, and I will be putting it in my own words. And we'll add some quotes and other things like that. Okay. The chapter was 24 pages long, so I obviously had to condense a bunch. Also, last story, the if you remember, Dave, the man-eater suffered injuries from porcupine quills. Yeah. Making it turn... This is what they believe make, uh, what made it turn into man-eating. Well, we may have a similar case here. Oh. With the porcupine quills. And now, also, unfortunately, Jim never writes the time this story takes place. Some stories he does, sometimes he doesn't. I, I don't know why. Hmm. But at one point, he says that he didn't have much experience hunting man-eaters. So that suggests this is early in his career. Okay. And, Dave, if you remember, the Champawat Tigress, the one that killed 436 people, was his first hunt, and that was in 1907. So this is sometime after 1907. Okay. I, 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 there's no indication when it happens. All right. Um. So you know what? We we forgot to do this last week, Dave. So we are going back in time for this story. I think that means we need to use something. Oh, the time machine. Sometime, somewhere. Yes, the time machine, and we go back. Well, I don't know exactly when, but sometime after 1907. <laughs> the time machine knows. <laughs> the time machine knows where to go. Um, so Muktazar, well, let me give you a little in- information on it first. Is a village located in the Nainatal district. Uh, Nainatal is like home base for Jim. We've mentioned it, I think, every episode. Okay. Uh, and then it sits in the Kumeon Hills at 7,500 feet. In elevation, uh, it's a very mountainous area in northern India near Nepal. Okay. Okay. Nowadays, Muktesar is called Mukteshwar. Hmm. And it's spelt differently. Sounds posh. <laughs> Maybe. <laughs> <laughs> the name changed in 1947 for some reason. And Muktazar was known for having the Veterinary Research in- Institute there, where they made vaccines to fight diseases in cattle. Hmm, interesting. The laboratory has since changed locations. Oh, did they change its name too? (laughs) Probably. (laughs) This town is also part of the Himalayas, and due to its location, uh, it's not as hot as other places, but it can, and you can even, they sometimes will even see snowfall there. Oh, wow. Oh, he's probably because it's close to Nepal then. Yeah, it's close, it's on the part of the Himalayas, so... Uh, people who have lived there claim that it is the most beautiful spot in Kumeyaan hmm. and that its climate has no equal. Well, there is a particular tiger who really enjoys this region as well. A tigress, actually. Here, she lived happily on several deer species, wild pig, and all kinds of other animals. It was, it was plentiful area. This was until she had the misfortune to have an encounter with, apparently, the most dangerous animal in the jungle. You know what that is? Ma'am? A porcupine. Oh. <laughs> now, these porcupines are... They're the real killers, if you think about it. Yeah. Uh, maybe they're the masterminds behind killing people. Uh, we They stab the tiger, and the tiger kills humans, and the humans uh, will never s- suspect it. Uh, maybe that's what they're thinking. Gee, they're such pricks. <laughs> Okay, that was a good one, dude. <laughs> uh, in this encounter, she lost an eye 
and got uh, some 50 quills stuck Ooh, in her. Wow. Varying from one to nine inches long. Oh, my goodness. That's crazy. Lost an eye out of it. Too. Yeah. Wow. And it was embedded in the arm and under the pad of her right foreleg. Gee. Several of these quills, after striking a bone, had a doubled back to form a U-shape. Oh, wow. Sores formed where she attempted to extract the quills with her teeth, making it worse. Gee. Uh, while she was lying up in a thick patch of grass, now starving from not being able to hunt properly, a woman came by to cut this grass, uh, to cut some uh, grass to use as fodder for her cattle. At first, the tiger took no notice, but when the woman had cut the grass right up to where she was laying, the tiger struck. It struck once, and the blow crushes the woman's skull. Oh, wow. One hit. Gee. And that, that's, that can, I can see that happening that's for sure. That's crazy. Death was instantaneous, for when the for when the body was found the following day, she was still holding on to the sickle with one hand and a, a, a tuft of grass with the other. Wow. So it didn't eat her? Didn't eat her. No, huh. did not eat her. Leaving the woman lying where she had fallen, the tigress limped off and yeah, never ate her. Two days later, a man came to chip firewood off a fallen tree and the tigress, who was lying on the far side, killed him also. Gee. He was shirtless and fell across the tree. She had clawed his back while killing him, and it is possible that the sight of blood trickling down his body first gave her the idea that he was something that could satisfy her hunger. Oh, okay. However that may be, she did not... She only she did eat a little bit uh, on his back. She had a small portion of his oh. back. A day later, she killed her third victim. Jeez. She's already on a terror right now. Wow. She killed her third victim deliberately and without any any provocation. And then it was after this that she became an established man eater. Oh, okay. So that's kind of the opening. That sets the. That's the, now, mm. now you can roll some of the credits and you can okay. have Mike, uh, Michael Fassbanger somewhere doing something. <laughs> I don't know. I, I still th I still think uh, Leo DiCaprio might would be good at it. Yeah. Yeah, he could do Either it. Either or. Or me. No, I'm just, oh, there you go. Do yeah, I, don't, I don't think I fit that bill. Come on. Get the posh British accent and perhaps <laughs> you can. All right. Jim had heard of the Tigers shortly after she started killing humans. There were many sportsmen who went to Muktazar to try and kill the tigress. Jim hadn't considered going after it, though. But when the toll of people killed reached 24, and the lives of all the people living in the settlement and nearby villages were endangered, and work at the institute slowed down, the veterinary officer in charge of the institute requested the government to solicit Jim's help. Okay. So he's kind of got a bit of a name after he killed the Champawant tigress. Okay. So that's what happens to villages when a man-eater is around. There's so much panic and people are scared. Like the coronavirus. Like the... It just shuts it down. Shut it down. Yeah. Yeah. Not too much different either. Yeah. Um, Jim knew this would not be an easy task for his experience with man-eaters at this point was very limited and the extensive ground over which the tigress was operating was not known to him and he had no idea where to start jim along with three men left Nainatal and walked 10 miles to ramgar and spent the night in a bungalow owned by a friend of his hmm. when the friend uh, learned Jim was going to Muktazar to kill the man-eater. He warned Jim to be careful with the last two miles. He said several people have recently been killed on that stretch of road. Oh. The next morning, Jim and his men take off to Muktazar, Jim carrying his double-barreled 500 Express rifle. He carries it the whole time. Okay. Uh, they reach Muktazar with no issues on that two-mile road. So, upon arriving, Jim ran into a sergeant and two of his men. The sergeant told Jim that he had received a telegram from the government the previous day informing him that Jim was on his way. The sergeant expressed the hope 
that he would succeed in shooting the man-eater, for conditions in the village have become very difficult. No one, even in daylight, cared to move about alone, and after dusk everyone had to remain behind locked doors. Oh, wow. Many attempts had been made to shoot the man-eater, but it had never returned to any of the kills that it made. You know, oh, tigers okay. do that. They'll come back and return. This tiger is not doing that. Hmm. There is a reason why, which we'll get to. Oh, okay. After a nice breakfast, Jim decides to go check things out to learn more about the tigress. But first, he stops at the post office. He stops at the post office to send a telegram to his mother, informing her that he has arrived safely. Oh, <laughs> isn't that, that's kind of endearing. Yeah. His mother must or must worry about him, I imagine. <laughs> uh, Jim's a good guy. Yeah. He loves his mom. All right, so the postmaster recognized Jim. Uh, along with a few others, they offered to help Jim out. He was very glad of their offer. They were in the best position to see and converse with everyone coming into Muktazar and could help collect any information on the man-eater. He says in rural India, the post office is to the village folk what taverns and clubs are to city folk. So Mm. it's the place to be, you know, to hang out and it's a gathering place, the post office. People gather there and would be, it would be the best place to seek information. Okay. Jim heads out about two miles away to an apple orchard owned by a man named Bardi. Oh, I'm sorry, not Bardi. It's okay. It's spelled B-A-D-R-I. It's Badri. Badri. Oh, okay. Badri, yes. The son. He is the son of an old friend of his. Uh, Badri visited Jim in Nainatal a few months earlier and offered Jim his guest house if he ever wanted to come and stay. Oh, nice. Jim decided he would accept this offer, especially since he learned that the last victim of the man-eater was killed in the valley below the orchard. Cool. The day was still very young, and before going to Badri's, uh, there was time to visit some villages further along the road to the east. After going about six miles and visiting two villages, Jim turned back, uh, and about three miles into going back, Jim has an interesting run-in with a little girl, Hmm. uh, only about eight years old, and she is having difficulties with a cow that she's traveling with. Interesting. The girl wanted uh, wanted the cow to go one direction while the cow wanted to go in the other. Uh, Jim is kind of surprised to even see her here. So uh, Jim and the girl have some dialogue. So we're going to, that's what I'm going to do right now. Go okay. over some dialogue. So I'm starting with Jim. We are not stealing the cow, are we? No, she shyly answers back. To whom does he belong? To my uncle. I'm not going to do a child voice or anything, but, but all right. To my uncle. And why does uncle want this cow to plow his field? But the cow can't plow uncle, uncle's field by himself. Of course not, she said. Has uncle got only one cow? Jim asked. Yes, he only has one cow now, but the, but he did have two. Where is the other one? Jim asked. The tiger killed it yesterday, she replies. This was news uh, indeed to Jim. Jim Jim now walks with the girl, helping uh, make the cow follow. The girl looking back at Jim every once in a while, till she musters up the courage to ask, Have you come to kill the tiger? Jim says, Yes, I have come to shoot the tiger. Then why are you going away from from the kill? Because we have, we've got to get this cow to your uncle, right? The answer uh, appeared to satisfy the girl, and then plodded along. Jim had gotten some useful information, but he, he wanted some more. So he asked, "Don't you know that the tiger is a man-eater?" "Oh yes," she said. "It ate Kunti's father and Banchi Singh's mother." And lots of other people. Jeez. So she's like naming people that she knows that this tiger's already killed. All right, so uh, so why did your father send you with the cow? Why did he not come himself? Because he has malaria, she says. Hmm. Have you no brother? 
No, I have no brother. He died a long time ago. A mother? Yes, I have a mother. She is cooking the food. A sister? No, I have no sister. So the small girl has been given the dangerous task of taking her father's cow to her uncle along a road which men were afraid to walk on, and on which is uh, four out in the last four hours, Jim has not seen another person. See. They came along a path up which the girl uh, which the girl went, the cow following and Jim in the rear. They came up to a hill with a small house. As they approach the house, the girl calls out, telling her uncle that she brought the cow. All right, a man's voice answered from the house. Tie him to the post and go home. I am having my food. <laughs> so they tied the cow and went back to the road. First wow. off, uncle seems like kind of a dick, <laughs> right? He doesn't invite her in or anything. Doesn't ask who this strange white guy is that you're with or anything like that. Wow. Nothing, just shoes her along because, you know, he's got to eat. <laughs> what a dick, right? Like, this, there's a man-eating tiger out there. Wow. <laughs> well, you know, in the horror story, he's the, the first or second to go. Oh, yeah, that's true. <laughs> oh, that's in the movie version, he's going to die. <laughs> yeah. We're killing him off real quick. <laughs> All right. Anyway, Jim and the girl are back on the road. Jim is at least a nice guy and escorts the girl so she stays safe. Without the cow between them, the girl becomes more sh more shy. Hmm. And they walk in silence for some time. And when Jim says, I want to shoot the tiger that killed Uncle's cow, but I don't know where the kill is. Can you show me? Oh, yes, she said eagerly. I will show you. Have you seen the kill? No. <laughs> but I heard Uncle telling Father where it was. Is it close to the road? I don't know. <laughs> was the cow alone when it killed when it was killed? No, it was with the other village cattle. Was it killed in the morning or the evening? It was killed in the morning when it was going to graze with the other cows. So she knows a few things at least. Mm. <laughs> While talking to the girl, Jim kept a sharp lookout, for the road was narrow and surrounded by heavy dense jungle. They continue for about a mile when they came to a cattle track leading off into the jungle. Here, the girl stopped and said, this is where her uncle told her father where the cow was killed. Hmm. Jim now has the info he needs to find the kill. Uh, so, but first, he escorts the girl all the way back home. All the wow, way to her home. Okay. What a good guy Jim is, right? Yeah. And Jim, from what I got out of it, it seemed like Jim really actually enjoyed his time with the girl as well. That's good. Okay, so after dropping her off, he returns to the cattle road. He comes to a spot bit off the road where he sees the cattle had stampeded. Oh, okay. He goes a bit further where he finds some drag marks. Now, remember, drag marks are where the tiger has a cow in its mouth and it's yeah. um, leaving some drag marks from it. Yeah. Jim follows this for a few hundred yards and finds the cow. Only a small portion of the hindquarters had been eaten. Mm. Between the kill and a ravine was a stunted tree. This is the only tree within a reasonable distance of the kill on which he could sit in with any hopes of shooting the tiger. Uh. If the tiger came back after dark, as Jim felt it would... The nearer he was to the kill, the better chance Jim would have at a shot. It was now 2 p.m. I feel like Jim has done a lot already. Yeah. And <laughs> on this day, he get. I mean, he's probably started at 4 a.m. and it's now it's only 2 p.m. and he's already taken the girl home, walked lots of miles. Wow. Uh, he's done a ton of walking. Uh, so what he does next is he goes to his friend Badri's place. He walks about a mile. To the house, and Baudry is near the guest house attending a damaged apple tree when Jim arrives. On hearing why Jim has come, Baudry tells his servants to make tea and food right away <laughs> and prepare the guest house for him. It must be nice to have servants, right? Yeah. To do that. Jim tells Baudry about the kill and that the girl led him to. Then Jim asks, 
why this kill had not been reported to the two sportsmen back in Muktazar. He said that owing to the repeated failures for the sportsmen to kill the tiger, the villagers had lost confidence in them. Oh. And kills were just no longer reported to them. Huh. Badri attributed their failures due to the way that they sat over uh, other kills and waited for the tiger to return. They would clear the ground near the kill of any obstructions, including bushes and small trees, and uh, building big raised platforms holding several men. <laughs> Reasons enough for the reputation the tiger earned to never return to a kill. I mean, okay. sportsmen are hunting the tiger all wrong. I mean, <laughs> it sounds really bad on how they were doing it. Like, come yeah. on, duh. Like setting up an amusement park. Tickets, yeah. tickets, popcorn. Baudry <laughs> uh, was convinced there was only one tiger in the region, and it was slightly lame in its right foreleg, but did not know why. Uh, as we know, we know it's porcupine quills. But they didn't know that, and they also didn't know if it was a male or female. Okay. At this point, <laughs> Jim actually shares kind of a funny little side story what happens next. So I'm going to quickly go over. It's kind of funny. Okay. While they are talking, uh, with them is Baudry's uh, Airedale Terrier dog. Hmm. You know what that is? Uh-uh. They're, they're really funny-looking dogs from Britain. They can weigh around 50 pounds. Oh. But, uh, yeah, they're really funny. I looked them up, and they're weird looking. Huh. So the dog begins barking loudly, and it's barking at a big langer monkey sitting on the ground eating an apple. <laughs> and, Dave, you know that I do not like monkeys, right? Yeah. They're, they are little bastards. And uh, here's another example why. Sounds like the dog knows why. Yeah. Well, well here's another example why I don't like monkeys. Uh, so Baudry grabs his shotgun and shoots at the monkey. The range was too far, though, uh, for the pellets to reach it, but made it canter up the hill. And then the dog is uh, running after it. Oh. Jim is like, hey, you might want to call the dog off. Baudry says the dog is always chasing away that same monkey. The monkey is a well-known thief in the orchard. Hmm. So the dog gains on it and within a few gains on it within a few yards when the langer whipped around, got the dog by the ears, biting it, oh. and then bit the dog on the head, causing a severe wound. Oh my goodness. See, I still think monkeys are little assholes. Never trust a monkey. Gee. Well, yeah, that's just a little side piece of story. Wow. So it tells you that. Uh all right, back to the main story. Jim told Badri about the tree that Jim had uh, insisted uh, to sit uh, to sit in. Badri insisted on going along with two other men to help build a small tree platform. Oh, okay. Upon seeing where the kill was and the tree, Jim wanted to sit in. Then they he wanted Jim really wanted to sit in the tree, and they urged him, uh, trying to get him not to sit in this tree. Uh, on the assumption that the tiger would remove the kill and take it to a more suitable area the next day. Mm -hmm. uh, this is what Jim would, ha would have done if the tiger wasn't a man-eater. But as it was, Jim didn't want to miss a chance which might not occur the next day, even if there was some risk with this particular spot. Okay. So Jim climbs up into the tree, gets as comfortable as he can, Baudry hands him his rifle and says, well, good luck, bro. <laughs> but he does promise to come back the next morning. Okay. So, yeah, Jim's in the tree waiting for the tiger. Jim is facing the hill with the ravine behind him. He, uh, he was in clear view of any animal coming down from above. But if the tiger came from below, as he expected, it would not see him uh, till it got to the kill. The cow, which was white, was laying about 15 feet from Jim. Okay. Mm, okay. He had taken his seat in the tree around 4 p.m. And an hour later, he hears barking from a kakar. What's a kakar? Now, a kakar is better known as a muntjac. M-U-N-T-J-A-C. So a muntjac. Hmm. Or also known as a barking deer. 
Wow, Weird, interesting. Huh? Uh, the barks they make sound like dog bark. I listened to some, and huh. they sound like dog barks. And they do this when danger is present. Oh. They're not very big either. They're only like 40 pounds, but they're kind of, they got like these, like almost canine teeth. Oh, they're very, they don't, they don't eat meat, obviously, but they're, they're very bizarre animal. Huh. But it's barking because the tiger is nearby. Mm. The deer barked for a long time, but eventually faded till it was silent. The tiger had laid down and Jim expected this to happen after the sportsman's failures to shoot the tiger over a kill he knew the tiger would be lying somewhere nearby with its eyes and ears open to make sure there was no presence of humans before approaching the cow uh-huh. it's you know she's gotten really good at doing this and knowing when humans are near her kill okay that's why she never returned mm. A minute after long minute, the sun was setting and it was getting very dark outside and there's hardly any moonlight. He could barely even see the dead cow 15 feet away from him. Gee. He hears a stick snap at the head of the ravine and stealthy steps come towards him. The tiger laid down at the foot of the tree. Oh. Now, at this exact time, heavy clouds covered the moon and the stars. Oh, gee. When the tiger got to the kill, uh, the night could only be described as pitch black. Gee. He could barely make out anything of the cow and the tiger. He, he can't see. Oh. He didn't feel the need to hurry for a shot. Uh, to hurry for a shot as the tiger was unaware of his presence. And there's only oh, like wow. 15 feet away. Wow. But Jim can't see anything at this point. Jim only could rely on sound to know where the tiger is. Wow. He raised his rifle, uh, rest his elbows on his knees. He aimed at the sound the tiger was making, holding the rifle steady He turned his right ear to the sound and back again. He felt his aim was too high, so he lowered the muzzle a fraction of an inch. After he was satisfied of where he was pointing, he pulls the trigger. Now, after the shot, the tiger takes off up a 20-foot bank. He could hear the tiger. Then there was silence. Hmm. This silence could mean that the tiger had died or was unwounded and left the scene. Jim listens for several minutes. Uh, Then he moves his body in the tree a little bit. This movement was greeted with a growl. The tiger is unwounded. Oh, wow. Jim has an uneasy feeling that the growling tiger that he disturbed from its kill may try to attack him while in the tree. Oh, As long as he didn't lose his balance, he felt he was safe, though. But he did not leave the tree all night, and he could hear it growling not very far away. Wow. So he just pulls out some cigarettes and smokes up in the tree. (laughs) What else are you going to (laughs) do? But if you remember, uh, tigers don't climb trees very well. Uh So being in a tree is actually a pretty safe thing to do. Okay. Soon later in the night, it begins to pour rain. It's oh my pouring. goodness! One good thing though is that the tiger left to seek uh, shelter in the oh, downpour. Okay. But the rain started at 11 p.m. and finally ended at 4 a.m. Jeez. Jim was very cold this night, as you oh, can imagine. Wow. He just was dressed lightly. Jim remains there until when the sun comes up and Badri arrives. He and his two men arrive with some hot tea and a kettle for Jim. And he is very cramped, as you think, being stuck up oh, in the tree wow. and being freezing cold. Like yeah. I, I think I'm underselling how cold he says he was like frozen. Oh, man. Uh, he tells Badri that his bullet. So when he shot, the bullet actually struck the cow. Oh, and he was six. In, it was six inches away from where the tiger was. Oh, wow. I mean, that's a tough shot to make. For anybody, just going off sound. Blind, yeah. Badri uh, tells one of his men to go start a fire for Jim. So he leaves to do that while they kind of tend to Jim and warm, let him stretch out and warm uh-huh. up, you know. 
And then they begin their walk back to Baudry's. And while walking, they discover some fresh pug marks. Oh. In the direction that they were going. Now, also, the man that was going to run up to start a fire, um, his, they see his prints too. And the, the prints indicate that both the man and the tiger had been traveling at fast pace. Oh. The, the man left 20 minutes before Jim and Badri too. So they think the tiger is after their man. Oh, no. With uneasy thoughts, they continue to the orchard. And they are relieved when they see the man. Oh. <laughs> uh, I had you there for a minute, didn't yeah. I? That would have been cool if it got him. That would have <laughs> been cool if it got him. <laughs> I don't know why. What about when I was reading it, I was like, oh, man, it's going to get him. It's gonna get him. <laughs> it didn't, but that's okay. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but yeah, so they see the man with several others um, in the orchard. So the tiger was following him, but the, um, the upon seeing other people, it kind of bailed. Oh, okay. And the man said that he never knew that the tiger was following him. Oh, wow. All right. So while Jim warms up, he and Badri go over where they think the tiger went and they make plans to start a beat. Do you remember what a beat is, Dave? Yeah, where they make noise in the bush and yeah, stuff. Yeah, all the men line down. up and, yeah. they, and they, in order to push the tiger into a certain direction, they throw rocks, uh, make lots of noise, yeah. uh, try to push it somewhere. And... Badri has his most trusted man, a man named Govind Singh, okay? Hmm. Remember the name. Gather as many men as possible to execute the beat. At midday, Govind gathers 30 men. Um, And Badri thought he, though he wants to help, he actually must make, uh, he must take his peas to the market to sell that day, that morning. He, he grows peas, too, and I guess they, they fetch a good price down at the market, so he's got to go do that. <laughs> <laughs> Sounds like an excuse to me. All right, let's go. Well, I got to go let's... sell some peas, bro. <laughs> if you ever hear me use that excuse, Dave. Then... <laughs> yeah. Yeah, be... like... I got to go sell some peas. I got to go pee. Oh, he's going to the bat. No, no, he's going to sell peas. What? <laughs> so, Govind is now second in command, Okay. Okay. The plan was Jim would go in search first. Then after an hour, Govind would start the beat. And if they had not heard in a heard a shot from Jim, then they would get going. Okay. At the end of an hour, Govind would fire a shot, and the men, uh, and the men put into they were put into groups would begin the beat as soon as an hour hit and Govind would fire a shot to let know let Jim know that they're on their way. Okay. Uh, <clears throat> one on each so one group on one side of the big ravine. Uh, they would what they would do is yeah, rolling rocks, shouting and clapping. It all sounds simple, but Jim had his doubts as he has seen many beats go wrong. Hmm. So uh, Jim sets off following the previous pug marks they saw. He goes several hundred yards in deep ravines when he reached a stream. And while he was wandering around, he heard flies buzzing around and followed them when he came across another dead cow. Hmm. And this one had been killed about a week earlier. Huh. The marks on the cow's throat show that it was killed by the tiger. Oh. And most of the cow had been eaten except for a portion of the shoulders, neck, and head. Huh. Now, without having any particular reason for doing so, Jim dragged the carcass to the edge uh, and sent it crashing down the steep hill. Oh. After rolling about 100 yards down, it laid up against the stream. So, hmm. so he just did it. I don't know. He didn't say why. Huh. But it will play a part, so. Oh. Jim kept going. The ground was difficult, more difficult than he thought it would be. There was no place where he could stand to overlook the hillside that was to be beaten. Hmm. And the tigress could break out anywhere without him seeing it. Then Jim hears a shot. And the beat is going to start. Okay. So after about an hour, well, he hears the men. And after about an hour... They came down the hill to his right, 
and when they were level with him, he shouted to them to stop the beat and join him at the ridge. So the beat went on for an hour. Okay. And he, then it, they eventually ran into each other. Nothing's happened, so uh, they're going to stop the beat. The beat proved more challenging than anticipated, and all the men not properly trained. And uh, so everyone kind of gathers for a rest right now, okay? Jim and Govind stood facing each other, discussing uh, on carrying out a beat for the next day. Suddenly, in the middle of a sentence, Govind stops talking. Jim could see that something unusual attracted his attention behind him, and his and Bud, or, uh, Govind's eyes have narrowed. Swinging around in the direction of which he was facing, and there, quietly walking along a field, was the tigress. Wow. So they just spotted it kind of out of nowhere. Oh my goodness. She was about 400 yards away on the hill and was coming towards them. The tigress was coming towards them at an angle in an area without a single bush or tree. So Jim had to, so everybody had to wait there and, you know, stay quiet and not move until she entered a scrub jungle. Uh, and once the tigress did, he told his men to remain there until he returns. Jim takes off running through the jungle. He even runs through rose bushes. Ooh. And then, while running through rose bushes, he loses his hat, but he continues running and getting cut up by the rose bushes and like on his head too, Gee. with trick, trickles of blood running down his face as he continued to run into the hollow into which he had rolled the partly eaten cow from the hill above. Oh, so the tiger, that's where the tiger was heading, and so he ran there. Oh, in the hollow, he hears a bone crack. The tigress had found its old kill. And started eating what was left of it. From the dense brushwood in which he could hear the tigress, uh, a narrow path ran up the bank on the hillside, and a yard beyond the path, there was a sheer drop of 50 feet into the stream below. So he is on the edge of a 50 foot drop, basically. Okay. Jim hears something move behind him. He turns around. And it's governed, holding his hat. <laughs> He's nice. got his hat. <laughs> he just followed him and brought his hat back to him. Jim was kind of like, what are you doing here, man? But uh, Jim puts puts it on and then and motions for Govind to shush and not move. Jim knows he is close. He straightened up and resumed his position on the edge of the bank. Uh, then the tigers stopped eating. For a long minute, there was no movement or sound, but then he catches sight of her. At this point, there was a number of six-inch-thick uh, poplar uh, saplings, and he can only see the tigers outline through them. Ooh, so in between, there's some thick um, saplings in between him and the tiger right now. He lifts up his rifle... And takes a hurried shot. He did not know at the time that his bullet struck a sapling near the tiger's head. So it missed. He didn't know that yet, but he eventually figured out that it missed. Well, the tiger, what do you think it does? Takes off. At at him. Oh, my goodness. Tiger charges at him. And remember, Jim is at the ledge of a 50-foot drop-off, too. Oh, the tiger charges. Jim has, he's got a double-barreled shotgun, or not shotgun, double-barreled rifle. Uh-huh. So he's got one more bullet. The tiger's coming at him. Jim waits till the tigress is two yards away. Oh, my goodness. He leaned forward, and with great good luck, he managed to pull the trigger, striking her where her neck joined her shoulders. The heavy 500 bullet deflected her just enough for her to miss his left shoulder. Oh my goodness. So it's literally goodness. like jumping at him. He shoots it, barely misses. Gee. And her momentum 
carried her over the fo- the 50 foot drop off oh. and then and she hits the ground she hits the stream below where she landed with a great splash oh my goodness that is insane though yeah isn't that a tire coming at you shoot it barely move out of the way and then it tumbles <laughs> over a 50 foot ledge that's crazy jim looks down the ledge and sees the tigress lying submerged in a small pool while the water in the pool reddened with blood. Oh, wow. The man-eater of Muktazar is now dead. That's crazy. Yeah, that's so crazy. <laughs> that, I think that's the craziest end tiger kill he's had so far. Yeah. At least. Governed on seeing the tiger in the pool, chants to all the men, The tiger is dead! The tiger is dead! All the men begin cheering and come towards them. Some men got the tigress out of the pool and tied her up to a sapling and they carried her back to the orchard. They lay the tiger down for everyone to get a look at. People come from all over the village to see the dead man-eater. That's how that's all, that happens in every story so okay. far. You know, like every, everyone wants yeah. to see Everybody wants to see that. They it. want confirmation that it's dead. Yeah. When dusk approached, Jim skinned the tiger. And it was here that he discovered that she was blind in one eye and she had some 50 porcupine quills from uh, one to nine inches embedded in the arm and under the pad of her right foreleg. Isn't that something? Yeah. Um, By 10 p.m. It was another long day for Jim, right? (laughs) By 10 p.m., Jim's job was finished. He declines Baudry's invitation to spend the night. So he actually goes back to Muktazara, shows off the tiger skin to the uh, postmaster and his friends. Oh, okay. At midnight, he slept for about four hours at the bungalow he slept at on his way there. Uh-huh. Then by midday, he was back home in Nainatal. Oh, my goodness. This whole adventure only took 72 hours. Wow. So probably his quickest kill like time wise that wow. I think that he's had at least one of because some of them have taken weeks months yeah. I think years so wow this is three days not bad right? yeah. not bad at all so I'm gonna end this with a quote from Jim's last paragraph in the chapter okay okay he says the shooting of a man eater gives hmm, this one Jim Corbett fellow. He seems like a fine gentleman. I wouldn't mind meeting up with him and having a cup of having tea. Having done a job <laughs> that badly needed doing, satisfaction at having outmaneuvered on its own ground a very worthy antagonist, and the greatest satisfaction of all at having made a small portion of the earth safe for a brave little girl to walk on. Oh, oh. that's Jim for you. Yeah. But, Dave, uh, that is the end of the story. Yeah, that was good. Did you like that one? Yeah. I I like that one, too. That was a really good story. Just like all the other Jim Corbett ones. But, yeah, only three days. Wow. And um, porcupines coming to the kill again. We're going to have to do an episode on. They might. (laughs) We need to. Indirectly have the largest human death toll. (laughs) Those those damn porcupines. Aggravating the man. The the tigers. Forcing them into man-eating. Yeah. (laughs) But yes, another awesome adventure from Jim Corbett. I really enjoyed that story, and I hope everyone else did as well. Jim Corbett is the man. Oh, yeah. And we have uh, multiple more stories. Uh, we've got at least another six stories we could do of Jim Corbett. Okay. Uh, so we might like pepper that in every once in a while, yeah. just like we have been. Yeah. But we are, we're going to take a break from him for a little bit, and maybe do another one before summertime or something like that. Okay. For next episode, I don't know what we will be covering yet. I have... Porcupines. <laughs> I haven't... Probably not yet. <laughs> uh, I haven't decided yet. Uh, so, one of the, a couple of things I was thinking, maybe... Uh, we've talked about this one, celebrity animals. Oh, okay. Or um, extinct animals. So, I was thinking more like uh, Ice Age animals. Oh, all right. So yeah. Let's talk, you know... A little bit about each, uh, several creepy, scary ones, and okay. stuff like that, or anacondas. Mm. I don't know. We could do anything. Yeah, the card is always subject to change in that regard. Uh, Dave, we have a shout out to give. Oh, okay. We want to thank 
Tracy Chase. Tracy Chase. She gave a very nice review on Facebook, and she wants to cover. She wants us to cover horses. Sometime. Oh, okay. That'd we did a little good. bit in uh, our rodeo, rodeo episode, but there, I'm sure there's a lot more to cover with oh, horses. Oh yeah, so, yeah, um, yeah. That's a, that's a, it's on, it's in the books. It's on the list. <laughs> you can take a drink. <laughs> And thanks to everyone who we we got several messages uh, the within the last week that from people has had some kind words to say like Pravin and Marcus so thanks you guys that hey. it, um, for saying some nice things it really helps and encourages oh and Marcus requested we go over our download stats oh okay. he, he was really curious and knowing and since by since by next episode we will probably hit thirty thousand downloads oh, okay. so we will do it i think we'll do it next episode if in case anyone's interested okay it is interesting to go over yeah. stats every once in a while yeah all right so dave if uh, anybody else wants to contribute to the show what can they do for us go to itunes have a podcast wherever you listen to subscribe rate review give us five stars say something you like you know it really helps helps to build the show up gain more attention get more listeners if you want to become a more awesome person uh, to uh, d- uh, helping out the show, you can become a producer by donating to Matthew D. Hamilton. <laughs> okay, well, you can uh, donate on. Well, yeah, donations would mean a whole lot to us. So uh, you can do that by PayPal. You can find us by our email, forceofnaturepod at gmail.com or on Venmo, my personal account, Matthew Hamilton 51. And all the info is in the description below. And to everyone listening, feel free to contact us if you ever want us to. If you ever want to tell us a cool animal-related story of you or someone you know, or if you want to suggest an episode idea, or just want to ask a question, or just say hi, please feel free. You can email us or message us on Facebook. Also, do us a favor and help us grow by recommending us to family and friends. Tell them we are on iTunes, Spotify, Stitcher, Google, all the platforms we need to be on. So, Dave, do you have anything to add? No, I'm good. All right. I don't think I do either. Um, uh, oh, sorry. Professor Cheetor, how about you? Mm, that Jim Corbett. What an outstanding gentleman, I believe. However, 72 hours, I earned my calculus degree in that amount of time. Wow. Well, oh, are you okay. just the smartest asshole in the room? <laughs> <laughs> this is Force of Nature Podcast. Thank you for joining us. Tell your friends. Be a part of building us up. And we will see you next week. Bye. Two Jim Corbett stories in a row, Dave. How do you feel about that? Feeling good. Feeling good. Uh, I'm going to give myself a little bit of credit because I worked very hard to get this episode out uh, in less than a week's time. And I... Hold on, sorry, I can't read. (laughs) We're struggling, man. Oh, dear.